Welcome back. I'm your host, Emily, and you're listening to Beyond a Bedtime Story, a parent's guide to children's reading. With this episode, you'll be one step closer to taking your bedtime stories to the next level. So let's get into it. Today, my podcast is inspired by my childhood, growing up in a bicultural family as a Colombian-American. My mom immigrated here from Colombia when she was 10, and all of her family is Colombian, though most of them live here like my mom does, and they came around the same time. My dad, however, he grew up in New Jersey, was born in New Jersey. We currently live in New Jersey, so he's Jersey through and through. I think he's maybe German and Italian, but he's white. So having one parent being Latina and one being white, growing up, I was like stuck in kind of this limbo because my mom didn't teach me Spanish growing up because the process of going about teaching a child another language from infancy, it usually involves one parent who knows the language speaking exclusively in that language to the child and the other parent speaks in English exclusively. And usually you have a partnership where both parents understand the language and that kind of model can work. But my dad doesn't know any Spanish. His Spanish is awful. We joke about it all the time. So my mom felt that she couldn't teach us Spanish, me and my sister, because it would be too hard for her to exclusively in Spanish when my dad was around and he wouldn't be able to understand her. I always give her a difficult time because I'm like, if you had just taught me Spanish since I was little, this would make my life so much easier because it has taken me so long to get to the point that I am now where I can fluently understand all of my family and Spanish in general. I can fluently understand it, comprehend it, no problem. But it's the act of I'm asked a question, asked to respond, and I freeze because I'm not fluently speaking it because I didn't learn the language growing up. So I'm still getting to that point where I can be fluent in speaking. Yeah, growing up, my Spanish wasn't very good. It's taken me so long to get to the point that I'm at now. And you're in this constant kind of questioning of your identity and your Hispanicness, not only from yourself and that guilt, but also from other people. Um, and a funny story that I want to start with really captures like kind of like the language barriers that I faced growing up. We visited Colombia when I was seven and we were staying with family. While Colombia is a gorgeous country, it is beautiful. A lot of the time on like social media, I'll see people posting like from Colombia and there are these beautiful resorts and yes, that's a part of Colombia and the country has so much to offer. But we were staying with my mom's family. So we're staying like kind of more like authentically like in their houses and kind of seeing like realistically what life looks like living in Colombia, not kind of living on the surface of it or living at these like grand resorts. We stayed in one house and the air conditioning was leaking on someone and my mom was snoring and it was hot and some houses didn't have like hot water. So everyone seemed to be kind of on a low amount of sleep, which may have contributed to the following incident that I'm about to unpack. But because hot water was very something that we would like to save, um, me and my sister, we were very young at the time, showered together to save water. And we're in the sh- we're showering and we're ready to come out. And the shower is like a sliding glass door. And she goes to pull it and it, it's stuck. Like we can't get out of the shower. We are trapped in this glass shower. And we start screaming for help. Help, we're stuck. Like we are screaming our heads off for at least like, 
five minutes, but half the people in the house don't speak English. And the people who did speak English thought we were like messing around. Like finally, after like 10 minutes of us absolutely like screaming, trying to get out of the shower, my grandmother, my abuela comes in and she's like, are you guys like, what's going on? And we're like, we're stuck in the shower. She's like, oh, we just, we just thought you were joking. So she finally gets my uncle. He has to get a, like a knife to like slide under the door to get it to open. It was, it was a whole thing. And it ended up being like a big joke that we're stuck in the shower screaming and half of the house, most of the house doesn't even understand us. Um, a lot of that trip, being seven years old and not knowing much of Spanish at all, there was a big language gap between me and my relatives, and I haven't really been able to see them since because they're still in Colombia, and we don't necessarily have the luxury of seeing them all that much. And while that story is funny, and we always look back on it and we laugh, growing up not being bilingual but still being bicultural, it was very hard for me to reconcile that my identity being Hispanic and being Colombian was valid because I had a lot of people around me telling me it wasn't, like explicitly telling me it wasn't. And this even came from like classmates. I remember in middle school telling this boy in my class, I was like, oh yeah, I'm Colombian, I'm Hispanic. And he was like, no, you're not. Like flat out, just you're lying to me. Just because of how I presented, I mean, I'm, I'm very pale, I have green eyes. I, I don't look Hispanic at all. The only redeeming quality I have is my curly hair. And I, I hold on to that for dear life to kind of like validate this feeling of not looking how I'm supposed to or not fitting into my community or my culture because I don't fit these honestly stereotypes and a lot of them are perpetuated by people who aren't even Hispanic. Like this boy telling me who I was or what I was because of what I looked like when he's not Hispanic, like how would he know kind of thing. But there's also this kind of like competitiveness and these standards that exist within the Hispanic community and the Latina community, um, kind of being perpetuated that not being completely bilingual makes you less Hispanic or less appreciative of the culture, which is difficult because I understand that sentiment completely. If you're not surrounded by the language, how are you really connecting with your culture? But at the end of the day, I've always been surrounded by the language. I'm very close with my grandparents, my abuelitos, and I'm very close with the language as well. And as I've grown older, it was my responsibility to learn the language. And I took those steps. I took a Spanish linguistics class when I had the opportunity so that I could further learn Spanish outside of my already honors or AP Spanish class. And I've done all this work to be able to understand fluently Spanish. But the speaking part's a whole nother level. If you're not taught it at infancy and you're not brought up with it, it's so hard to get to the point that you're fluent. And that's still a journey that I'm on and I wanna continue in college studying abroad. And I know I'm gonna get there someday, but it definitely is a challenge. And the feeling, nothing compares to that feeling of inferiority, that even within your community, you feel like you're never gonna be enough. As I've grown up, you kind of grow like a level of confidence in yourself and your identity. I recently got a job and I'm able to communicate with workers at my work who speak Spanish. I'm able to communicate with them and understand what they're saying, even if I respond in English. And it's kind of validated like you are a part of this community and you do understand people who are part of the Latina community, who are part of the Hispanic community. You understand them and they understand you in a sense. And there's this commonality that you share, even if I look a certain way and I don't necessarily fit 
that mold or that stereotype of what it means to be Hispanic, whatever that means. It's a level of throwing that all away and getting rid of those labels and recognizing that bicultural looks different for everyone. But with that, in the next segment, I'm going to get into a shorter book review, kind of just introducing you to a story that I think will be valuable in your homes and will introduce your children to kind of these different languages and the idea that many languages exist and that our world is a lot wider than you think it is with its array of cultures. Um, But I'm excited. So we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. All right, I'm back and ready to dive into this book review. The book is called A is for B by Ellen Heck, and it's an alphabet book in translation. Instead of referring to specific page numbers while I review the book, I'll be identifying page numbers by letter because it's an alphabet book. Um, So as always, if you have the book, definitely feel free to follow along. For this book review, I'm kind of taking it in a different direction. This whole episode is very much in a different direction, very much more of a narrative, more of me telling my experiences and everything. So I don't have a rigid set of strategies for this book as I usually do. I feel that the content of the book speaks for itself and its importance and its value um, to share with your child. Now, when I first heard about this book, I heard about it because it was in a New York Times list for one of the best books of 2022. And I bought it and I read it and I was like interested. It captured my attention. I spent time looking through this book. It's engaging for someone who's 17 years old. It's a multilingual alphabet book. So it will take some explaining to your child kind of the structure of it. Essentially... So it goes to the alphabet. It starts with A is for B. And then it gives example of words for the animal B in different languages that start with A, such as abelha in Portuguese. I definitely messed up that, that pronunciation, but Portuguese is pretty similar to Spanish. Um, in Spanish, it would have been abeja. And then the next page is B is for monkey. And it gives all these words in different languages that start with B that just describe a monkey. The next page is C is for parrot, and D is for turtle, E is for snail. So if you're getting the gist of it, these pages are giving animals that are traditionally taught to children, but showing that these animals have different names that start with different letters in different languages. So that conversation, how I just explained it to you, you'll have to be able to explain it to your child that, oh, this is a tiger. Tiger starts with T, but in other languages, tiger starts with H. And then you can show them the other languages, see the words. And I think this book is so unique and it's so, it fulfills a conversation that's very hard to introduce to young children. Inherently, I think children are very wrapped up in their own world because, I mean, they've only really seen the world through their eyes. So it's kind of hard to reconcile that other people see the world differently and interpret the world differently. And that's definitely a concept that gets very complex when you get into languages, especially if a child grows up in a household that only uses one language and has only ever been in places or communities that use that same language. But this gives like a fun, the illustrations are beautiful, a fun and easy way for you to introduce to your child the idea that there are so many different languages around the world. There are so many different cultures around the world. 
it's done so in a way that's familiar to them. Alphabet books are very familiar to children. Animals, very familiar to children. So giving them something that they're comfortable with, they're safe with, and then introducing other languages within that safe environment, it's gonna make that conversation a little easier to understand, a little more comprehensible. But honestly, like even as an adult, I think you're gonna be in awe of this book just because of its illustrations and its creativity. Another fun thing that you could have your child um, to kind of pique their engagement with this book is that each letter, because it's an alphabet book, is somewhere in the illustration on the page. It's usually somewhere in the animal or in the background. For example, L is for rabbit. The L is created by the rabbit's two ears in the illustration. J is for ostrich. The ostrich's like bent neck is in a J shape. A lot of the words are easy to find, but I went through and I had fun um, going through each page and finding the letter within each illustration because some of them are harder. H is for tiger took me a couple seconds because the H is in the stripes on his forehead. And I still can't find the illustration for I. I is for fish. I can't find the I anywhere. And it should be somewhere on the page or in the animal, but I can't seem to find it. So if you find it or your child can find it, kudos to them. But yeah, this book is, it's really unique and it broaches the subject that I think parents struggle to introduce to young children, which is to see the world for its many cultures, global languages. Like there are languages in here that I didn't even know exist. It's so hard for anyone to grasp how many languages really exist. Yeah, I don't have a certain set of strategies for this book. Simply giving this book to your child and having that conversation that I had in introducing the book about there being multiple languages, that's gonna help them see the world in a more complex way, in the real way and how it really is and that all of these cultures and all of these languages and that in itself is valuable and why I recommend this book. That concludes that pretty short book review. And I'm gonna jump back to more of me talking about being bicultural and how that has influenced me currently writing my picture book and being a debut author. I kind of had this realization of the agency you have as an author and kind of reconciling my cultural identity with my writing. So that will be our final segment. Stick around. Hi, welcome back to this final segment where I'll be discussing kind of these revelations I've had in the early stages of my drafting process with my debut picture book. And this came when I was considering characters for my book. Originally, the book was going to follow a singular character um, on his way to school. My book is also kind of an alphabetical book. It deals with starting sound words, so like identifying objects that start with A and B and C and like going in that order. So my book definitely uses kind of like an alphabetical structure as well, which is why I was drawn to A is for B in the first place, because it was an alphabet book that kind of took uh, another look at alphabet in a unique way by using all of these different languages. And reading A is for B and then looking at my characters, which is going to be a singular character, I was kind of like, what, what can I do different? I had the idea to introduce another character in my book. So now there are going to be like two main characters that it follows. And it being that bicultural character that I didn't have as a child. Having it be a girl like me as a child who 
lived in a house that used both languages and had both languages and reconciling that cultures exist within a house with language but also traditions and food. So I introduced this character. She's a young girl, she's Hispanic. And both characters kind of on their walk to school, they identify objects in their environment. And a lot of the objects that she's gonna identify are gonna reconcile with Hispanic audiences and Hispanic households, certain foods, certain traditions even like hair routines that go into being like Latina or being bicultural. I had this realization, I was like, as an author, you have the opportunity to include what you want the world to see, that I want them to see this bilingual character, this bicultural character, and recognize the traditions that exist within a house and how that impacts a child growing up. So while my book is an alphabetical book, some of the objects that will be alphabetically identified are going to be Spanish words. And I'm gonna have these characters, one being an American white boy and the other one being a American but Hispanic girl and kind of comparing their morning routines on the way to school and the worlds that they see. And then having them meet on the end and seeing this friendship across cultures Essentially, it's giving a space for and introducing the audience to what culture, what a bilingual household might look like in everyday life and normalizing that. Because so often you have children who are growing up bilingual who don't have books that recognize both their maybe American identity, white identity, and also their Hispanic Latina identity. So by introducing this character, I'm giving them someone to recognize to say oh that's like me she's having these experiences like me being latina and having those traditions while also like going to an american school and speaking english as a debut author it's kind of insane how you have this revelation that you have the opportunity to introduce these characters that a readership needs there are so many children who are bilingual who grow up bilingual who are now going to, with my book, recognize the Hispanic objects throughout the alphabet and the English one. It's, it's really cool. It's really cool to imagine that that girl, me, who was stuck in a shower screaming in English and couldn't communicate with her Hispanic family, is now able to give the Latina community and bilingual children characters that they can empathize with and that will make them feel less alone, that you can be all of these things. You can be bicultural and that experience is shared and it's valid. And that my identity as a Colombian, as a Colombian woman is also being a Colombian author. I am a Colombian author and that's gonna impact the stories that I tell and the characters that I create. And that's pretty special to be able to give my community kind of another voice and another narrative. And taking a twist on a traditional alphabet book just kind of how that all goes into my story growing up, bilingual. And I have so much respect for the book I introduced, A is for B by Ellen Heck, which is the unique way, the kind of courageous jump she took by putting a complete spin on an alphabet book. Who knew if that would even reconcile with any audience? But obviously it's very impactful. And there's always space to recognize the global communities have, the global languages we have. And to be able to introduce to your child this world of so many cultures and so many languages, that's so valuable. Whether they're bicultural, bilingual or not, they're going to benefit from learning about all these different cultures. But yeah, that pretty much concludes the episode. It was much more narrative, kind of giving my experience. 
Um, but I hope you learned something about your host, about me, and also about the importance of kind of recognizing all of these mixed identities that don't necessarily fit standards or labels and how books are such a great opportunity to recognize unconventional characters and really realistic characters that make communities feel less alone and give them kind of the platform they've always been wanting. I hope you enjoyed listening today. Thank you for listening. Be sure to catch the next episode. Get reading. And remember, you are never too old to love picture books.